Welcome to Speaking of Grace, the weekly message podcast from the Whole Life Church in Orlando, Florida. We're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, and multi-generational congregation committed to our mission of loving people into a lifelong friendship with God. We are committed to our vision of being a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Thank you for joining us as we continue Speaking of Grace. Would it be fair to say that love is a pretty important part of what we do at Whole Life Church? All right? It's right there in the mission statement, loving people into a lifelong friendship with God. And it also is the first value that we've listed. And as I said in my series on values, all the other values kind of flow out of that one. Kind of reminds me of Sandy Smith. Some of you might know Sandy. Sandy wrote a book that's fairly well known in Seventh-day Adventist circles, or it was many years ago, called The Game Ends at Sundown. Sunday, Sandy had been a professional basketball player, um, but then was studying his Bible and felt like that was not where God was leading him, that he needed to be able to not play the game on Sabbath, and that wasn't going to fit into his career. But Sandy went on to do some pretty amazing things, and one of those things was that he taught basketball camps. And he came to Nasoka Pines Ranch, which was where I was a counselor at, and I was the counselor that was assigned to help out with the basketball camp. I was pretty excited to have a professional basketball player there. And the kids were too. You know, the kids had signed up and they were so excited. And so they get there and the first day, they're like, we're going to learn how to do the no-look pass. We're going to do the fadeaway jumper. You know, we're going to all this, you know, all this fancy stuff from a professional basketball player. And all Sandy had them do the first day was dribble the ball. Dribble with your right hand, dribble with your left dribble, 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 keep your eyes up, don't look down, you don't, don't look down, keep your eyes up. And so everybody kind of hung in there the first day. And then the second day, he said, okay, today we're going to learn passing. They're like, sweet, you know, we'll learn how to do that. No, nope, two-handed passes, two-handed passes, two-handed passes. And this is where the grumbling began. We didn't pay money to come learn to how to, we already know how to do this stuff. And Sandy uh, kind of heard the, the uh, grumbling, gathered everybody around, and he, uh, he said, hey, guys, sit down. He said, the first thing I want you to know is you don't know how to dribble. I watched you yesterday. The second thing I want you to know is you don't know how to do good two-handed passes. And he said, I want you to understand something. Until you have the fundamentals down, there's no point in trying to do the fancy stuff. Because the fancy stuff is what you build off of understanding the fundamentals. That's always stuck with me because I think it applies to us as Christians often, doesn't it? Sometimes we want the fancy theology. We want the fancy this, the fancy that, and we don't have the basics nailed down. And so that means that we're not doing the fancy stuff right either. Love is the fundamental principle of God's kingdom. It's the fundamental And if we don't have that down, then everything else is going to be built on a false foundation. And we won't be doing the other things right either. That's why I want to take some time out over the next several weeks to really take what love is apart and look at it together. I want us to get this basic down. I'm not saying we're going to perfect it. 
But what I am saying, I want us to understand it and be able to communicate what love is. Because we live in a world where we can love our significant other. We can love pizza. We can love basketball. We can love our children. And yet all those things are different, aren't they? They're all different. And so until we start understanding what love is, we may be saying the same word, but not thinking the same thing. And so I want to make sure that we're all on the same page. And we're going to start off with love is patient and kind. So over the next several weeks, we're going to be taking 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4 through 7 apart. We're going to take it word by word and really understand what Paul in his relationship with God, understood love to be. One of the important things that we need to understand is that in the Greek language that Paul wrote in and that the New Testament is written in, there were a number of different words for love. The one word that we're focusing in on is the word that Paul used, the word agape. It was the best kind of love according to the Greeks. It was the best kind. It was unselfish. It was pure. It was beautiful. And so we're going to focus in on that word. That is the word that we're going to understand as love. Love is patient and kind is the first thing that Paul writes about love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to understand what it means to be patient and kind in the context of love. Open our minds to understand. We pray in your name. Amen. Love is patient and kind. I want you to notice, and this is really important, that the word and is there. It links the two together, right? Love is patient and kind. We're going to talk a little bit about that here. The first thing I want to do is understand the word. So this is actually the word, as you're looking at the screen, you're actually looking at what the word in the Greek language is for love. Now, I would... I'd pronounce that word for you, but my Greek teacher in college told me that he'd come beat me up if I showed off my Greek knowledge. And I'm glad he said that because I can't pronounce it. So this is the Greek word for love, all right? And I'm I'm sorry, not the Greek word for love. This is the Greek word for patience. I want you to notice something. It's important. I know that none of us really well, I'm sure there's some of you that don't particularly enjoy English and, and all the, you know, the diagramming sentences, but it kind of can be a little bit important, right? And so the first thing we need to understand about this word is that it is a verb. What is a verb? It's something that conveys action. It's something that's doing something. And so this word is patient is a verb. It's an action that Paul says. And what's really significant about this is in the Greek language, this word for patience always relates to people, not situations. You hear that? This is super important. This word for patience always relates to our relationships with others. It's not about being patient while uh, I, I wait for something unless I'm being patient with the person that's making me wait. So you follow along? This word always has to do with relationship. And it's actually best translated as long-suffering. Why is it best translated? Because when you take that word apart, it takes the word long to deal with something for a long time, and it combines it with the word suffer. 
That changes a little bit of patience, right? Like I'm patient until I have to suffer. Right? But Paul's saying, no, 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 no. That's exactly when patience really begins. You aren't being patient if you're not being patient with somebody as you suffer because of what they are doing. See how it's relational? So we following along what now? I see a couple people looking a little uncomfortable. I don't like that. That doesn't feel right. This word is used seven times in the New Testament. Um, you're more than welcome to take a picture with your camera, and I don't have time to go through all these verses with you. But probably one of the, the more interesting ones is Matthew 18, where the uh, where there's a man that owes a lot of money to a king, right? He owes millions of dollars. He can't repay it. What does he say to the king? He says, suffer long with me. Be patient with me. And the king is patient, but he does something else. He does this word. He's kind. This is the Greek word for kind. And the interesting thing is that when Paul writes this word in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. This is the only place that you can find it in the New Testament. Moreover, it is the only place that you can find it in any Greek literature. Why? Because Paul made it up. Can somebody use the word, the word kind as a verb? For those of you who love grammar, can you use the word kind as a verb in a sentence for me? You can't because it's a noun or an adjective. You following along? But Paul said, no, 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 no. I can't have a noun or an adjective in my list of the attributes of love because love is an action. It's a verb. Therefore, I'm going to have to make up a word. It's kind of like if I took kind and I said, let's go ahead and say, uh, let's say uh, Albert kinded this church. <laughs> That's what Paul does. Because it's so important for him to understand, for him that we understand that kindness is not simply an attribute, it's an action, that there's action to it. Isn't that cool? And so he combines these words to suffer along with and to be kind as an action, and he jams them together. He says, they are conjoined twins. You don't have one without the other. It's not enough to be patient, but like that king, you have to be kind. That king forgives the debt. That's kindness. He could have been patient and said, sure, I'll be patient with you. Pay me back as you can. But the king goes the extra mile and forgives the debt. And that was money that was owed to him. Arguably, he could have used the money. But the king, in his kindness and patience, forgives the debt. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus explains it to us. He says, love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. 
Then your reward from heaven will be very great and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High for he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. He is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. Paul in Ephesians chapter 4 verses 31 through 32 says this, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of behavior. Boy, that one hits me hard when I drive to work during rush hour. I think I might hit all of those at times. Bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, the person that just cut me off. I'm not proud of that, by the way. That's something that needs to change in Ken's life. Instead, be kind to each other. You see that? I want you to really catch that. Get rid of these things. And Paul says, instead, instead of those things, be kind. So it's not enough for me just to be patient with the person who cuts me off. Perhaps God would like me to wave at them and say, hey, you must be having a tough day that you needed to cut me off like that. Not to just simply grip my teeth and be, I'll be patient with you. Be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. And here's where it comes home. Just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Love is patient and kind. They go together, as Forrest Gump would say, like peas and kelts. Now that might just leave you feeling a little bit, hmm, I don't know, Ken. I don't think that sounds like I'm going to get walked over quite a bit in life if I'm that way. I'm going to get taken advantage of. I want to suggest to you that there's nothing wimpy or soft about the the attributes of love and patience and patience and kindness. Brene Brown, in an amazing book called Dare to Lead, which I highly recommend if you haven't read it, says this, kind is clear unkind is unclear. There is nothing unkind about being clear with people. If I knew the person who cut me off in traffic, it would not be unkind of me to say, hey, you cut me off today and I nearly hit you. That would be kind. It's being clear. Sometimes we think we're being kind by ignoring bad behavior. By not saying that's a problem, but that's not kind. If I'm on fire, kindness is letting me know that I'm on fire. It's giving me the opportunity to do something about it. One of the most awesome mentors in my life was incredibly kind to me. But when you hear the story I'm about to tell, you might be tempted to think it wasn't particularly kind. On, uh, on your right-hand side is Dave Livermore. In between us is the guy with all the bumper stickers. His name is Dan Merchant. He did a fabulous documentary called Lord Save Us From Your Followers, and we were doing an event together, and, uh, and that's where this picture was taken. But Dave Livermore, who's the guy on the far, far right, 
Um, Dave was mentoring me when I first became a pastor. And I'll never forget that early on, he said to me, Ken, you've got a lot of natural ability, but you're not as good as you could be. You're not as good as you could be because you're being lazy. What? I work hard. He said, no, I'm not talking about your work. I'm talking about your study of leadership. You're not reading books. You're not paying attention to leadership theory. You're not practicing leadership theory. You've got natural ability, but you'll never be as good as you could be if you would actually pay attention to this. That may sound rough, but I want you to know that changed my life. Firstly, I knew that Dave loved me. It wasn't said out of meanness or spite. It was said by somebody who really cared about me, and I knew it. So that's one of the things we need to remember, that if we don't really truly love somebody, if we're being mean and spiteful, then speaking the truth sometimes isn't kind. But the same things can be kind when it comes out of a heart that cares about the other person, truly cares about them. And that's what Dave did for me. And because Dave said those little words to me, I went on to work on getting a master's, or I I earned a master's degree in organizational leadership because of those little words. And I know that I'm a much better leader today, and I know that I've got a lot yet still to learn, but I know I'm a better leader today because Dave was honest with me. He was clear, and it was kindness. And he was patient with me as I grew in my leadership abilities. And I am so grateful that Dave has been a part of my life. Patience and kindness are not wimpy. It actually takes a lot of strength to say hard things to people you care about. To say, hey, I think that behavior is destructive. Hey, I don't think this is going to help you out. And yet that is being kind. And when the person doesn't listen to us, kindness means that we're also being patient with them and recognizing that growth happens as growth will happen, not on our timeline. Let me put it to you this way. James 5 verses 7 through 8 say, Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and the spring. They eagerly look forward for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. Traditionally, when Seventh-day Adventists read these verses, what we think that they're saying is that we need to be patient with God as he doesn't come back as quickly as we think he should. But I really want you to think about this hard. Look at what it really says. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and the harvest and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. What are they looking forward to? The harvest. So what are we being patient with? I think that one of the things we need to take a think about is this next verse. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. I want to suggest to you in the previous verse that what God is really telling us is that as we are waiting for his return, we need to be patient with each other. That we need to be patient with the harvest that he's trying to gather together. That 
God is so loving and so merciful that he actually delays his return because he wants everybody to have an opportunity to come to him. And that as that's happening, we're going to have to be patient with those that aren't growing as fast as we would like them to grow. But that he is the Lord of the harvest and he sends the rain in due season when the rain needs to come. Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and restraint and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads to repentance? I want to suggest to you that God's patience and kindness leads us into a repentant attitude with him. And that when we are patient with others, when we are kind to others, it draws them into a relationship with God. It encourages them to love God and to become closer to him. Our kindness can lead others to change their ways. It can even completely change their lives. But we don't do it with the hope that we're going to be manipulative. We do it because it comes out of a heart that cares, a heart that's full of love for those around us. So let me ask you this. How do we, how do we grow kindness and patience in our life? The Bible tells me that every good gift comes from the Father. So the first thing we need to do is ask. And I want to suggest that there's something specific that we need to ask for. The first thing we need to do is ask that God helps us see where we need to be more patient and more kind. A lot of us have some pretty big blind spots in our life. We think we're a lot more patient and kind than we really are. And so we need to ask God to help show us. And then as he shows us, we need to identify those areas. We need to be honest with ourselves. I'm not very patient with this person. I'm not being kind to that person. I'm being patient, but I'm not being kind. I'm gritting my teeth, but I'm not being kind to them. And then after we identify that, we need to go ahead and practice. We, we continue that asking part, help me God, and then we say, help me practice with that person. And I, I want to suggest to you that when you do this, you're not going to enjoy it. Because when God shows you who you need to be patient with and who you need to be kind with, he's going to give you the opportunity to practice. And that means you're going to have to suffer. And I get tired of hearing pastors say, be careful what you ask for. We should be asking for this stuff because it's what makes us grow. Don't be careful. Recklessly ask for it and then recognize what's going to happen next. And then practice. Practice. And if you fail, that's okay. That's what practice is for. I practiced the piano a lot as a child, and I am not a good piano player at this time. It's because I quit practicing. But I could tell as I did practice, I got better. But I still would hit wrong notes. It's okay. That's what God's grace is for. But we keep practicing. And then you know what we do? We repeat. We ask, identify, practice, repeat. Ask, identify, repeat. And we keep allowing God to grow us more and more into his likeness. Patience is the willingness to remain in relationship, to bear with each other, 
to suffer along with each other. As we practice patience, let's remember that patience and kindness go together. True kindness is not just a random act or something that we do for those we like. True kindness is something we do for those who are unkind to us and who irritate us. As we celebrate communion together, let's remember that these symbols represent God's patience and kindness to us. Let's not forget the one who spread out his arms willingly and said, Father, forgive them, showing his kindness to those who are crucifying him. Hi, this is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church and our podcasts, Speaking of Grace and its companion, 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff, are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the Whole Life Takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians all focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church slash podcast. And plan on spending every Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning with us as we bring you the Whole Life Church inspiration you love straight into your headphones. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.